listen and receive these words from the Gospel according to Luke, the 11th chapter beginning in the first verse. He was praying in a certain place, and after he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, Give us each day your daily bread and forgive us of our sins as we forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us a time of our trial. And he said to them, suppose one of, one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived and I do not have anything set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given, it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks received, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you, if your child asks for a fish, will give them a snake instead of a fish? If a child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, now how do now how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit who asks him? Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. I invite all of us now to pray together. We praise you, O God. With gratitude, we come before you and ask that you might come and dwell near to us. May spirit move among us, and may the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O God. For you are our rock and redeemer. Amen. Many years ago, in a pastoral conversation, the subject of the welcome that I extend at the beginning of every service came up in the conversation. And the person shared, I feel like I do pretty well with the beginning part about knowing that I'm welcome, that I'm known, and that I'm loved but I struggle with that last part about God's wanting an ever closer relationship with me. Now my sense is, is that many may resonate with that. Not all, but I think many, and for many reasons. As I think about it, what comes to mind is that one of the biggest factors affecting our relationship with God is what kind of God we believe we're relating to. This is a piece that I feel I need to come back and back and back to. Our conceptions of God are formed, of course, by a variety of influences. First of all, 
Were you raised in church? And if so, what kind of church? What kind of teachings did you receive there? What did you see modeled there? Were you received in that place in your full created nature? Or were you made to somehow feel for any reason that you didn't belong or were not fully welcome? Was God um, a God who was sort of far away out there somewhere in the church where you grew up? Or a God who was hanging out with you every day, or a little bit of both. And other influences of our idea of of God is our, our families and our relationships with parents or other adults and what those relationships were like. Our cultural background, our language, all of these things affect our image and understanding of who God is and what God is like. Thanks to a strong strain of a certain kind of theology in this part of the world, at least, many harbor a deep-seated conception of God as the one who keeps track of what we get right and what we get wrong. And often in this concept, it's difficult to imagine that you would ever come out on the positive side of that equation. It's difficult to imagine that God is not primarily the scorekeeper, the gatekeeper, the judge. And every time I think I've, I've said this a million times and everyone's heard it, after a sermon, people come out and start pouring out their stories. If your image of God is fearful and judgmental, it can certainly be difficult to imagine developing a positive, intimate relationship with God. And here's another thing. We can have one concept of God that we've consciously chosen in our sophisticated adult lives, that we put in our head that this is who God is, this is who I believe God is, But there's another concept of God that is living and breathing down in our guts, still very active and very powerful. That's going to affect our relationship with God. Today in our gospel, Jesus has stepped aside for a while to pray. And he returns, and an unnamed disciple approaches Jesus and says, teach us to pray like you pray. Teach us to pray. Jesus initially responds in this text with Luke's pared-down version of what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer. I like to call it our family prayer. It's a good prayer, whatever version you use because it speaks to a loving parent. It honors a loving parent. It asks for things that are worthy. What a gift Jesus gives us with this prayer. He reveals that prayer can be direct, it can be simple, and he provides concrete examples of how to pray for things that matter. Having a a guide, a template, a model is helpful when we are learning something new. Teach us to pray. 
Jesus. A guide and a model is helpful when we are strengthening and deepening our understanding. But then Jesus goes on to tell the somewhat convoluted parable of the sleepy friend, at least as convoluted in translation. But I think of the story like this. The bottom line is really that when you need something, you go to your friend to help a sister out. Even if it's in the middle of the night, And if your friend is discombobulated and cranky and like, sis, are you for real right now? I am in bed. I am locked the doors. I'm tucked in. Kids are asleep. Dog's asleep. Are you for real right now? And if you keep knocking, your friend will help you. If for no other reason than to get you to pipe down so that they can go back to bed and you don't wake up the dog who will then wake up everyone else. You may hear about it from your friend for years to come, but they will help you. This is kind of an earthy, funny story. It's it's about friendship. It's about relationship. It's about being in relationship with a person that is with you in the real stuff of life. If you have a need, ask. Maybe it would be easier if Jesus had stopped with the model words to say, because then we could just say the words and mark it off our daily to-do list and say, we've done the Christian thing for the day, we've done our prayers, check, moving on. But he goes on to teach that prayer is more than that. It's about being in relationship. And that requires more of us. And ultimately, we receive more from God. We know well enough how much we can mess up our relationships, how we can do damage and be harmful to others. And that actually is really the root meaning of that word translated evil, which always jumps out at me in this passage in verse 13. The root Greek verb uh, translated evil, poneroi is the word. And the root of that word is really about capacity. Jesus isn't saying that all people are evil in their nature, but that we do things that cause evil or harm. We all know that we do that. And Jesus simply acknowledges that we have that capacity but reminds us that even still, when it comes to those dearest to us, we would never intentionally do them harm. The example used of a loving human parent helps us understand the connection Jesus is making. Teach us to pray, Jesus. Jesus says that God is a loving parent who wants us to be well, to grow, to have what we need. If you then are who are poneroi, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? This line is the heart of the teaching. And note that Jesus doesn't say, how much more will God give you what you ask for? as though, as you've heard me say before, as though God were a heavenly ATM or an online catalog with same-day delivery. 
Jesus teaches us how to pray, saying, if you desire nothing more than the health and joy and flourishing of those dearest to you, and you will give anything you can do to that end, how much more does your divine parent desire your health and joy and flourishing? How much more will God give to assure that you have all you need? God will give you the promise of prayer, which is the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus says. How much more will God give Holy Spirit to those who ask? God will give you deep, abiding relationship with Jesus. God will give you God. And you see, (laughs) I had this thing sort of spin out in my head as I was thinking about this. God wants you to ask for what you need. God wants you to come searching for the things that will give you life and freedom and joy. God wants you to knock again and again and again on God's door so that she can welcome you in and embrace you and draw you up to the table in the warm heavenly kitchen and make you coffee and rolls and nourish you with a steady diet of spirit so that you will be filled in your life with all the good gifts and fruits that grow from relationship with God. The more you frequent the habitation of God, are embraced and fed and share real conversation and relationship, you'll begin to realize that God knows all the disappointments, all the screw-ups, all the failures. You will know and see how God has brought you through as only God can. But scripture says that God is love, and so that is who is opening the door to welcome you in. That's the one who's welcoming you through that door as you belly up to the table for, I just can't help myself, warm spirit fruits cobbler with ice cream. A girl's gotta have fun. God is prepared for you to feed you, to nourish you. God's love for you is everything. The fears and the doubts and the failures are nothing in the face and embrace of our loving God. And any correction or guidance that you will receive there comes from a place of love and is for nothing other than your good. God is there as your proudest parent, keeping a scrapbook of every accomplishment, cherishing every moment when you were brave or funny or kind, and loving you so much more than you can think or imagine. God is there not watching to see when you will fail, but cheering you on to do your best and to keep learning and growing in all the fruits of the Spirit, which are peace, patience, love, joy, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and self-control. I just returned from my 14th annual eight-day silent retreat. And as I review and reflect upon the prayer journals I've kept from all those retreats over all those years, I see some of the same issues and questions come up year after year after year. And yet I keep showing up year after year, knocking. (laughs) And what I receive also in those journals are the ways that I have, in fact, been received and have received guidance and grace and have moved on the journey. I bring this up, however, as a testimony that even after all these years, just last week, I recognized how difficult it is to let go of old ideas about God and about what faithfulness looks like and about what living well and living free looks like. It is so difficult to fully comprehend how much more God wants to give, how much more God wants to share, how much more God wants to help you experience and to enjoy life in the Holy Spirit. Because that is where power comes from. That is where freedom comes from. That is where deep peace comes from. That is where courage comes from, is from communion in spirit. Teach us to pray, Jesus. How do you be who you are? Teach us to pray. It's about communion with spirit. It's about life in spirit. It's about growth in the fruits of the spirit so that we might be and become most fully who God knows we are. It's difficult. And so Jesus says, keep at it, keep showing up, keep knocking, keep searching, keep asking, keep coming through my door and receiving from my table. Because there is so much more that I want to share. Love is holding you and love is cheering you on all the way. And for that, day by day, I say thanks be to God.